So we've been, uh, Pastor and I was having this discussion, and um, it's interesting because when we look around the landscape of our church uh, right now, we have people who literally have been with us since 2001. We have people who was with us and then left and then came back. We have people who uh, didn't know who we were and then they came and they're here. So we have this uh, eclectic group of people who have heard um, some of the things that we've said uh, before and some who haven't and some who've heard it and then heard other things that may sometimes contradict that. And so we were having this discussion about, you know, what, what do we do with that? How do, you, how do you continue to, because the difference between us and some other ministries is that we're a teaching ministry. And as a result, a lot of what we do builds on itself. A uh, long time ago, we got a word that said, don't despise repetitive teaching. And in a lot of church, people don't want to hear repetitive teaching. They, they, they want to always hear something new. They want to hear the, the latest, the greatest, the brand new thing that the preacher is saying. But, you know, if we, if, if we did that in school, we'd have people going through, you know, school 12 years in a year. <laughs> but we don't do that because we understand that not only do you need to hear something, but then there needs to be... Um, a demonstration of mastery. Amen? Yes. Um, when you had to go take your driver's test uh, and you read the book and you went and took the test, if you didn't demonstrate mastery, they didn't just go ahead and give you a license and say, well, you tried. <laughs> Going out there on the highway. You don't know when you're supposed to stop or when you're supposed to go, but it'd be cool. They didn't do that. What they said is you need to go back and what? Study the book some more. And then you came back and you took the test. And even if, even if you took it twice and didn't pass, they still didn't give you a license, did they? In fact, you know, they'll let you take that test as many times as you need to. And life is the same way. Life will let you take the test as many times as you need to. The problem with having to take the test over and over and over again is that as a collective body, we're trying to progress to another level. So if we keep passing the test and other people don't pass the test, then either we have to go to a different grade, a different school. We have to go somewhere where you're not. And, and, and it's, it's like if we all started off in the same grade and we all were progressing at the same rate and we all got to 10th grade. But when we got to 10th grade, you didn't pass 10th grade. But we all passed 10th grade and went to 11th grade. And at the end of the year, they had the junior, senior prom. But you were still a sophomore. That's true. Come on. Now, the problem is, is that we love you. But you can't come to the junior, senior prom. Because you're still a sophomore. We don't want no sophomores. So Pastor Sean and I were talking and we were saying, what do we do in order to get people to progress? Because we've been talking about lots of different things. I was thinking about that. Do you know the first time we had service here was April of 2015? So we've been, we've been, we've been doing this for a minute. And, and we've been talking about some things for a minute. You know, we spent seven, almost eight weeks. Well, we did, I did, you did. We spent seven or eight weeks talking about living in the balance of, of grace and faith. 
And Pastor Sean has spent an exorbitant amount of time just encouraging you and talking to you about who you are in the word. And so one of the things that we have not spent a lot of time tackling, um, and, 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 I, and I had to ask the Lord why we hadn't spent time on it. And I kind of knew, but I was like, Lord, tell me why. He was like, you know. So when the Lord tell you, you know, he, in other words, he ain't got to answer that. But one of the things we haven't spent a lot of time on that we did early on and when we did early on, we saw people progressing in their life a lot faster. And that was this idea around these topics that people don't like to talk about. Now, if I, I, I'm going to talk about a topic today, but before I do, I'm going to let you guess it. <laughs> if I tell you that there are three things that people think you shouldn't be talking about in church, just three of them. Can somebody name one of them? What do you think your guess is? What's Money. What? What? Sex. Sex. What? Money. Politics. Politics. Uh-huh. Well, I ain't going to talk about sex or politics today. Well, I'm So I'm going to talk about money. All right. I'm anointed to talk about money. <laughs> you know, I, 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 that's not braggadocious. I'm telling I'm anointed to talk about money. And here's the reason why. I was a critic. And if you take a dude who is a critic and you can walk a, a concrete, sequential type A dude who is who thinks everything is a gimmick and you can break the word down and show him in the word how it makes sense. Give him an opportunity to apply it to his life and see it work. That brother's anointed to talk to you about money. And so this morning, I want to talk about money. And people go, oh, my God. No, not oh, my God. I don't want your money. I want to talk to you about something called the spirit of mammon. Come on. Listen to me. Money is neutral. Tell your neighbor. Say, neighbor. neighbor. Money, money is neutral. It really is. You've heard me say it before. If today they said that money, as we currently use it, is no longer valuable, the $100 bills you have in your pocket wouldn't mean anything. If they said, okay, now we're going to start trading white rocks, everybody would be looking to go get white rocks. And, and, and somebody could be like, hey, here's $10,000. You're like, oh, I want that. I want that white rock you got. Because currency is just a system of exchange. That's all it is. And the church gets worked up about money, but money is just a system of exchange. I get it. There have been pastors who have absolute, I'm a slow, I'm a, I may not even get to all this today, but I'm going to say this like this. I understand why people have an issue with money because there have been pastors who have misused scripture. Yeah. There are pastors who have used tricks and manipulation. They have used psych, psychological warfare with music and, and, and words to get people to give out of, out of compulsion rather than out of love. I get that. But that don't mean what God said about money is wrong. There have been teachers who have abused children, but every teacher ain't a bad teacher. There have been coaches who have abused children, but every coach ain't bad. There have been doctors who have molested their patients, but every doctor ain't bad. So just because somebody misused the word doesn't mean the word is wrong. Here's the bigger indictment, though. And this is where when I talk with pastors, they get upset with me. I don't even so much blame pastors for using tricks and manipulation to get money because they're under the influence of the spirit of mammon. They want money. 
I have no problem telling you that money makes the ministry happen. If you don't have money, we're not here today. If we don't have money, we'd have never bought this equipment. If we don't have money, we don't get to help people when they are in need. The church needs money. But what the church doesn't need to do is manipulate you for it. The church has to be able to give you a compelling why. And then you have to understand why that why is big enough that you will want to put your resources where that money goes. So here's the thing. My bigger indictment is not that people or pastors use tricks of manipulation to get money. My bigger issue is that people fall for it. That's my issue. That people fall for it. That people so desire something so quick and so gimmicky that somebody can tell you that today is September the 17th, 9-17-17. And if you'll give $9.17 today on this altar in the next nine days and 17 hours and 17 seconds, God's going to bless you. My problem is with the people. The people will allow themselves to get so manipulated that that's how they would give rather than saying, hey, I give because I love God. I stopped having conversations with people about tithing. I'm not going to talk to you about tithing. I'll explain to you what tithing is, but tithing is not a money issue. Tithing is a heart issue. And you can get mad at me if you want to. You can say, well, I would tithe if I had more. No, you wouldn't. And it's not because you, it's, it's not because you wouldn't. It's because it's not in your heart. And the issue is, is that people can't. So what happens is people haven't been able to get God in people's heart. So they found trick and manipulation to get money out of people's pockets. But I won't trick you. I won't manipulate you. I would shut the church down before I ever did that. I won't ever try to try to get you to give out of some compulsion. You need to understand why God even uses giving to bless the believer. Whether you know it or not, God spends more time in the New Testament talking about giving than he does heaven. You can go through and you can watch it. Very, he spends very little time actually talking about heaven. He spends a great deal of time talking about money. Why? Because he understood that money, whatever form it took, whatever currency it took, however it looked, money was going to be the influencer that mammon was going to use. Now, what is mammon? Mammon was the name of the Syrian god of riches. That's who mammon is. Now, the problem with us in the westernized church is we don't like to talk about spirits. People say spirits and all, we, we think we think the little dude from it down there in the gutter trying to tell people to come down here. Sp Listen, the spirit world is more real than this natural world. This natural world only exists because of the spirit world. The Bible says that things that are seen were made from things that were not seen. In other words, God said it like this. He said, you have to have something that's in a supernatural spiritual realm to even get it into the earth realm. That's what the Bible says, as it is in. So it would be on the as it is in spirit, it would be in physical form. And so what you have to understand is that God doesn't have an issue with money. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. God does not have an issue with money. Say God does not have an issue with you having money and lots of it. The problem is when it has you. And you don't have to have a lot of money for it to have you. Come on. 
See, people sometimes think that, you know, people, people sometimes think that if you got a lot of money, then, then you don't have to trust God. Listen, it's a whole lot of folk who ain't got a lot of money who don't trust God. But watch this. They trust them. They trust them less than when they had less. Here's what I mean. And, it may, and I know it wasn't none of y'all. But people. There are people in the world who are broke and destitute. And when they are, they are on their face crying out to God. They are, they are singing hymns. They are singing songs. They are fasting, drinking nothing but water and eating a peppermint a day. They're doing everything they can to get close to God. They're doing whatever they can to get close to God because they want God to come into their life. They're walking down the street. They find a dime. They're like, oh, it's a dime. I'm going to get this to the Lord. Praise your Lord for the dime I gave. But because God is faithful and God honors our hearts, God then progresses us. So when we didn't have a job, now we got a job. And now we got a job. We're tired at night so we don't pray as much. And now we don't pray as much because, you know, things are a lot better than they used to be. I can pay my car note. I can pay for my house. I got a little money to buy me a little things that I like. I ain't got a lot of money in savings, but it's so much better than I used to be. And then I go to church. They talk about tithing. What? I just got this job. I know God gave it to you. When you didn't have nothing, watch this, and you found a dime. You gave it all. But now you got a job and you make a little money. Now you don't want to give. God ain't asking for all. He said, I want to give 10%. But now I don't want to give 10%, but I was given all at first. Now, here's the question. Why would I give all when I didn't have much, but now I won't give 10% when I have much? It's the spirit of mammon. And I want to talk to you about the spirit of mammon this one. I want to talk to you about how to overcome it. And I may not get to all of it this week. We don't have church next week. And let me tell you something. You know, I, we don't have church next week. The reason we don't have church next week, because we ain't got a place to meet. That's just the truth. We, it, it ain't like I ain't giving you no break. I ain't giving you no vacation. I ain't giving you no Sunday off. We don't have a place to meet. They have something here. And at the other two hotels we were using. So on September 24th, we don't have a place to meet. But if we can deal with this issue of mammon and I can get you where you need to be, not having a place to meet won't ever be our issue again. So I want you to go, and Caleb, I apologize. I didn't give you the other scripture. But real quick, if you can find uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 30 through 33 for me. That'll be the other scripture I'll use and the other one I gave you earlier. I just want to have a conversation this morning. I just want to talk to you about this spirit of mammon because I'm I'm so tired of people uh, talking to me about how somebody tricked them or how they don't give because they they can't afford to give and all of these other things. And I'm not trying to put you down or make or make fun of you. But here's the thing. If you don't understand something, it can be used against you. If, if, if you're speeding down the highway and the police pull you over and, and you're going 60 and you find out the speed limit was 45 and you go, oh, I didn't know the speed limit was 45. What do they always say? Ignorance is no excuse for obeying the law. The same thing is true where the word is concerned. It's true. You don't get a pass because you don't know. 
You, 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 don't, you don't get a pass. The, the, the things that happen to you in your life happen as a result of the things you either know and don't do or the things you don't do and don't know. That, 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 that's, it, that, that's how things happen to you. Tell your, tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, yeah. life, life is choice-driven. Choice and as a result, can you put that up there for me? Life is choice-driven, and as a, re, as a result, I, I, we, we got to understand what's happening here. Now, I want to read this, and then I'll read the other one. Uh, you can go ahead and write it down if you need to. These may be the only two scriptures we really get to. The next one's going to be Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. We're going to start in Matthew 6 and 30. And I just want you to see this. I want you to hear this and say this. Say money, money and, mammon and mammon are not, are not the, same things. the same things. Mammon is a spirit that sometimes attaches itself to money, but mammon can attach itself to other things. But mammon is a spirit. And if you don't believe in spirits, you're already doomed. God is a spirit. The Bible says they that worship him must worship him in spirit. and in truth. So God is a spirit being. You are a spirit being. We've said it before. You are a tripartite being. You have a body. You are a spirit that's housed in a body. We talk about the soul being the mind, will, emotions, the imagination, and the intellect. Mammon is a eater of the soul. That's what the spirit of mammon does. It lives, it feeds off your soul. It feeds off your mind, your will, your emotions, your imagination, and your intellect. How do I know? Because people talk about what they would do if they win the lottery. That's your imagination. People, the Lord says give. People say, well, I can't afford to give. That's your intellect. The spirit of mammon eats off your soul. It's why God said you got to learn to worship me in spirit and in truth. Because the only way you can defeat a spirit is in. Y'all preaching now. It says, wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not, what does it say? Much more clothe you, O ye of little what? Faith. Now, when you read scripture, you cannot read scripture and you cannot contextually take it out of the context. You have to read it and you have to understand whom it's talking to, the time period in which it was talking to someone, and the historical concepts and revocation behind it. If you don't do that, then you misinterpret scripture. He says, wherefore, if God so clothed the grass, he says, to this day and then tomorrow is gone. He says, is he not going to do much more for you? But then look what he said to him. Oh, ye of what? Little faith. Now, why did he say, oh, ye of little faith? Because they were struggling with whether God was going to take care of them. Whenever you struggle with whether or not God is going to take care of you, the spirit of mammon has infiltrated your life. He says, you ought to take no fault for this stuff. He says, if God can make the grass grow, can't you understand how much more he loves you than the grass? The next verse says this. It says, therefore, do what? Take no thought. Y'all in this place this morning? He said, do what? Therefore, do what? Take no thought, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? It says, or wherewithal he says, taking time to think about all of this minor stuff is a waste of your time. Think about it. 
most people spend most of their life are thinking about these three things. What am I going to eat? What am I going to put on? Where am I going to live? And if it's not where I live, how am I going to prove where I live? How am I going to fix up where I live? How am I going to get something new? How am I going to make sure I got enough to eat? How am I going to make sure my kids eat? How am I going to make sure I got this? How am I going to make sure I got that? How am I going to make sure I got Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor your, life your life is not, is not the, sum the sum total of the things, of the things that, you possess. that you possess. The spirit of mammon wants you to believe that your value is tied into your possessions. That's why people would rather spend money on red bottoms rather than have red bottom money in their accounts. It's why people will leave today, give a $10 offering, and spend $100 on food. Because the spirit of mammon says what's important is what we're going to eat, what we're going to put on, and what we're going to live. And unless somebody tells it to you, you don't always see it that way. But this is what Jesus was trying to get the disciples to understand. And it wasn't about whether they lived in modern society. He said, listen, y'all are worried about the mundane things. He says, I'm God. The whole time you've been with me, have you ever had need of what you was going to eat? Even when it wasn't enough. When he sent the 70 out, remember what he did? He said, listen, don't take no coat with you. That's clothes. He said, don't you take no food with you? That's what to eat. He said, don't you take no wallet with you? That's money. He said, everywhere you go, everything will already be provided. Now, why did he tell them that? He said, because when you're on your mission, I don't want your mission to get derailed because you're focused on the mundane. Some of y'all can't do y'all assignment God gave you because you're worried about what you're going to eat. You're worried about where you're going to live. You're worried about whether you're going to have enough money next month. God said, forget all that. I'll take care of you. Oh, ye of little faith. When I start talking like this and people start withdrawing, I can tell where your faith is. Because how can the same God who took care of you when you didn't have what you have now not take care of you tomorrow? How do I trust God when I was unemployed? How do I trust God when I was when my car was broke down? How do I trust God when I didn't have enough food to eat if somebody didn't feed me? But now I got enough to put in my belly. Now I got enough money to fill my car with gas. Now I got a job to pay me a little piece of something. And now all of a sudden I'm going to stop trusting God. The spirit of mammon eats your soul. Next verse. It says, for after all these things do who? Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. I, was I was a Gentile, a Gentile. but now but I, am I am adopted, adopted into, into the, household the household of faith. Okay. You're not a Gentile no more. And if you're not a Gentile anymore, these aren't the things that you ought to be seeking after. He says, you, you, you've been translated. He says, you're like the vine that has been cut off and then grafted in. Any of y'all ever have a grandma who had an aloe vera plant? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She'd take a piece of that aloe vera plant and stick it in a jar with something else. And before you know it, that thing done grew together. Now you got two aloe vera plants. God said, that's how he did us. He took us from Gentile status to glorious status. He says, and when I did it, now you don't have the same needs that the Gentiles have. Hallelujah. 
He said the Gentiles had this, 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 this over obsession about what they was going to eat. What, they, what was they going to be clothed in? What, how much money they was going to have? But do you know why they had that overwhelming obsession? They had it because the Bible says they were in this world without hope. They were in this world without hope. There's a scripture, and, and, and I'm, uh, <laughs> I believe it's in Ephesians. I won't make Caleb go to it. But in the book of Ephesians, it uses this word. It says the commonwealth of Israel. And when people think of commonwealth of Israel, they think of commonwealth like the commonwealth of a country, like a joining of a country. But if you read that and you look at it in, 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 and you go through and you look at it in the Greek, it wasn't talking about a, a, a grouping. It was talking about what was common to Israel. So in that word commonwealth of Israel, what was common to Israel? Wealth. What was common to Israel? Well, that's the reason that when Jesus talked about money and he said things like it's harder for a rich man to enter into heaven than it is for a poor man. They was like, whoa, wait a minute. Because we're rich, because it's impossible to not walk. To, it's impossible to walk with God long term and not become wealthy. The only the only thing that stops a man from becoming wealthy when he walks with God it's having the spirit of mammon to eat his soul. Because while you're walking with God, the provider, El Elyon, El Shaddai, you're worried about, the, the El Shaddai means the multi-breasted one. What does that mean? That it, it paints the picture that when a child sucks on the mother's nipple, it's getting nourishment. It says God is multi-breasted. Then whatever you need, God has it for you. Yeah. So you mean you would take your eyes off of the one who has everything to provide for you to look at what the world can give you? Teach. So he says, for after all these things do the Gentiles sing, for your heavenly father, what does your heavenly father know? That I have a father. Did you have what? Jesus. 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 God ain't tripping about the fact he know you need some Jordans. He ain't tripping about the fact that he know you need a house. He know you need a roof. He know you need a ceiling fan redone. He know you need floors redone. He ain't tripping about all the stuff you need to have done. He ain't tripping about the fact you need to get new tires on your car. Listen, $900 for new tires ought not throw you in a tizzy. Come on, Preach now. Come on, man. But what happens is, is we start looking at cost and we get our mind off cost. We got our mind on cost and off Christ. Yeah. Come on. I'm going to say something's going to offend somebody, but it's all right. You'll be all right. If your God ain't good for nine hundred dollars, I don't know why you serving. If your God ain't good for nine hundred, I don't know why you serving it. Now the issue ain't God or the nine hundred. The issue is how you see it. Because the same God who will give you the loaf of bread is the same God who will give you a million dollars. He makes no determination between the two. The issue is how you see it. And the spirit of mammon allows you to make that kind of determination. The spirit of mammon comes in and it says to you, you can have this, but you can't have this because this is bigger than your God. But the spirit of mammon is a lie. Ain't nothing bigger than God. But the spirit of mammon is subtle. It comes to you in the form of intellect. It comes to you in a form of intellect so you can rationalize, so it makes sense, so the A lines up with B and B lines up with C, so that you can make a determination that what you're doing makes sense. If it ain't God, it don't make sense. 
He says, for your heavenly father already know what you have need of. He says he knows that you have need of all of these things. Last verse, Caleb, right here. He says, but do what? Seek ye first what? The kingdom of now, what is the kingdom of God? We talked about the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God is God's way of thinking. It's God's way of being. It's God's way of doing things. Can I help you real quick so you can just go and, go and get real mad at me? It says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. If God says tithe, there is no debate. Come on, preach. If God says tithe, there is no debate. The only debate comes when the spirit of man influences your life and say, well, let's, let's determine whether or not this is true. Because if you have to debate whether or not tithing is right, you also got to debate whether healing's right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the kingdom of God is not a smorgasbord. You don't get to go down the buffet line and pick out what you want because of how it looks. I like a little healing. I like a little prosperity. I like a little deliverance. Oh, I don't want no tithe. It's tight, but it's right. You ain't got to like it, but it's true. And if you ever want to accelerate your life, people ask me all the time, how is it that you and Pastor Sean live the way y'all live? Listen, because we've been tithing since 1999. There have been times when my light bill was due. I had enough money to pay my light bill and not to tithe. I chose to tithe. And as a result, I got my light bill paid, and I done paid a whole bunch of folk light bills since then. But you don't ever get to that level unless you pass the test. Yes. That's it. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. neighbor. Everybody, Everybody has, something has something called, called choke level. Choke level. Yeah. Everybody, everybody got it. I don't care if you don't make but $100 a week, you got a choke level. I don't care if you make $267,000 a year, you got a choke level. Everybody has a level at which God is going to ask you to give and you are either going to do it or you're going to tap out. He ain't in here right now and I'm glad because I'd ask him to do it, but he might hurt me. If I had Jimmy to come up here right now and put me in a chokehold because of his strength, I'm not going to get out unless he decides I want to get out. In the in MMA, you have to tap out. The devil is MMA in some of y'all. He got some of y'all in a hole, and he got you wrapped around your neck saying, you better not give. You better not tie. You better not trust God. You, I'll squeeze the life out of you. And some of y'all get to the point where you go, you right. And you tap out. You spiritually tap out. And when you tap out, you actually end up worse off than if you had gone through it. How do you get to say if God before me, then who can be against me and you tap out? You tell your neighbor, say neighbor. I won't tap out. Now, even if you just said it in faith today, that's good. Even if you just said it in faith. So he says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be what? Added unto you. All these things. What things? They're according to what you want. I watch Kathleen's statuses. I, I'm amazed at how she can go to the Goodwill and put together an outfit that look like he came from Macy's. If I went to Goodwill and did that, y'all be like, he got that from Goodwill. <laughs> I have polka dot pants, striped shirt, and a green blazer. Y'all be like, yeah, he didn't do that. 
There's anointing on her life to do that. So when she goes to Goodwill, watch this, there are things that illuminate to her that don't illuminate to none of us. Why? Because he give us all the things that we seek after. He says if we seek after him, he'll add all the things. So whether you need cooking engagements, whether you need to play in parties, whether you need to sing gigs, whether you need to go internationally singing, whatever you need to do, whatever you need to do, he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of these things will be added unto you. I wanted to refinance our house. Once we decided we wouldn't, we didn't, we would didn't want to move. She ain't here, so I won't tell our whole story. Had this beautiful house, and, <laughs> and she ain't want to move, though, so we're going to stay where we are for right now. Amen. But I wanted to refinance, though. Mm-hmm. Went to one bank, and they said, well, I really can't refinance it, because I want to refinance without having my wife's name on it. I just want to refinance it. That way, if anything happens to me, the house is paid off, and it's hers, free and clear. I didn't want her name attached to it. They said, no, I can't do that. You know, your debt-to-income ratio is good, but we're not doing it this time. Just because somebody say no, don't mean it's no. I went back and man, Pastor Sean prayed about it and I said, you know what, I'm a tither. Yeah. I, I, I give above and I, I give 10% as my tithe, but I, I, I'm a, I give my offering. The tithe belongs to the Lord. Yes. So, so, so let me help you how, how pastor think. The, the 10%, I ain't got ain't no discussion about that. That's God's. That, that belongs to him. If, 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 if I'm going to pay the light bill, the gas bill, the water bill because they say I have to, then, then I'm giving God his. Yeah. But I live off my offering. Yeah. I live off my seed. I, the, the same requirements that I say of you is the same requirements that require of me. Any pastor who don't tithe ought not have anybody in his church not tithe. Now they should go somewhere else because they should tithe. But at the same time, I, the same thing I'm asking you to do is the same thing that I do. I said, Lord, I have been a tither and I give my offering. I support and I know that there is a, a yes out there. So the guy who was getting ready to sell us a house called and said, hey, have you ever thought about refinancing? (laughs) Well, now you talk about it. His father owns a mortgage company. So he puts me in contact with his with his father and we go through the process and I tell him everything I want to do. And he says, "Okay." he called me back in a couple days. He said, we can do it. Now, what somebody else, same information, what somebody else said they couldn't do, somebody else said they could do. What's the difference? Well, you just happened to call somebody else. That's not how I believe. My tithe was working for me. My offering was working on me. When, when, I, when I went as far as I could go, then the supernatural took over because of the seed I had in the ground. And if you got seed in the ground, you can live a supernatural life. Gonna save me over $1,000 a month. Come on, man. Amen. And I told the Lord, Lord, you saved me $1,000 a month. I give you tithes off the money I save. Because the Bible says you honor God with all your increase. $1,000 a month is increased to me. So I don't eat my seed. Come on. I don't take the $1,000 and ball out a month. I say, God, if I'm going to save $1,000 a month, I ain't got but 900 because at least 100 goes to you. And watch this. I make the decision before I ever get the money. Yeah. Because if I make the decision before I ever get the money, then I'm never at a loss. That's the reason why people say, oh, I know if I won the lottery, I would tie. Let me help you. If you won't give God $20, you're not writing no check for $200,000. You're just not going to do it. You just, people say, you're just not going to do it. You're not going to write no check. Because the first thing you're going to think is, well, maybe I need to spread it out. 
This, why? Because the spirit of man is at work, right? Yeah. The spirit of man says you don't need to get no one place that much money. The spirit of mammon always wants to dictate to you about what you do with money when God tells you something different. Because it has nothing to do with money. It's all about control. The spirit of mammon is all about control. How do I know? Because we see it here in Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you ain't mad. Mm-mm. I don't see that low. You ain't mad. I don't know if they're mad. They ain't mad. Ain't nobody mad in here but the devil. Luke chapter 16, verse 1. Now watch this because there's two stories here. There's a, in both, again, when we're talking about context, you have to go, who is he talking to? When was he talking to him? What is he talking to him about? In this particular uh, passage, he is talking to a person who is a steward. Okay, what is a steward? A steward is a person who governs other people's money. For instance, if, 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 if Chris came to me and she said, hey, I'm so busy, I'm singing all over the place, I got to make sure my bills are paid, I got to make sure all this stuff is done, I need to give you access to my account so that you can pay all of my bills monthly and make sure that all the money goes to the right account. I will become a steward of her accounts. As a steward, does that mean I get to take money that I want when I want it? No. That is not what a steward is. A steward is a person who governs over another person's accounts. Can I help you this morning? Yes. You own nothing. Right. You don't own a thing. God owns everything. You are a steward only. And if we ever got that across in our minds, we wouldn't be trying to hold on to what's God's. What I look like if Mika tell me to pay her water bill and I go, uh-uh, I ain't paying her water bill. That's her money. <laughs> what? <laughs> You mean I won't, I won't do with her money what she say? That's insane. But that's exactly what it looks like when the Lord says, render, render unto me the tithe. And you go, I ain't giving you what's yours, even though it belonged to you. I'm going to keep your money. That's your money, God. <laughs> now, 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 why do I teach it like this? Because this is the revelation I had to get to. I had to get to the fact that, wait a minute, if indeed I say God owns everything, how do I get to decide what I'm going to give to God that belongs to him? Can you, ima can you imagine how indignant you would be if you gave somebody access to your finances and you told them to transfer $300 to your account and they said, no, that's too much, you're going to get 100 You would flip your lid on them. You'd be like, if you don't put my money in my account, I, in fact, I tell you what, you no longer have access. You mean to tell me if I don't do right by God's money, I may end up not having access to God's money? So, so, so what happens is, is now you no longer are operating on, with, with, with supernatural resources. You're only able to make happen what you can make happen. And that's why when you need a new refrigerator, you, you don't know what you're going to do because it's $1,600 for a new refrigerator. That's why when your washing dryer go out, you don't know what you're going to do because it's $900 to replace the set. That's the reason why you don't know what you're going to do when your tires get bald and you're riding around here on May Pops because you haven't been trusting God. 
So only thing you can make happen is what you can make happen. There's nothing supernatural happening for you. There, there's nobody, there's nobody God's putting on your mind and say, hey, I want to get you some new tires. Hey, I got this new refrigerator. I got two of them. You want to have one? Nothing supernatural is happening for you. And if nothing supernatural is happening for you, you got to check yourself. The Bible says it like this. It says you will put money in your pockets, but your pockets will have holes in them. So the more money you think you're making, you think you're out here getting it on, but the more money you're making, the more money's running away from you because you're not trusting God. Now, if you say, oh, pastor, that's mumbo jumbo, that's fine. Keep doing it the way you're doing it. But you cannot serve both God and Amen. He didn't say God and money. He said you can, why? Because money's not a spirit. He says you cannot serve God and mammy. You can't serve one spirit and another spirit. You got to choose which spirit you're going to serve, either God or mammy. Come on, Caleb. Let's finish this up. It says, and he said also unto his disciples, he says, there was a certain rich man which had a steward, a certain rich man. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, God is rich. Say, I am that steward. He said, there was a certain rich man, you understand? My father's rich. I'm that steward. It says, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted the rich man's goods. God's the rich man. God gives you the ability to go to work. God gives you the ability to go to job. God gives you the ability to make sales. God gives you the ability to get commissions. God gives you the ability to do all of those things. God says, and all you got to do is honor me with the tithes. Yes, but come to find out, you've been wasting his goods. He says, so they became an accounting. Next verse. It says, and he called him, and he said unto him, he said, how is it that I hear this of thee? He says, give me an account of thy stewardship. For thou mayest be no longer a steward. He said, let me see your record of giving. If I, check your, if, if I was to check your record of giving, do you give as much to the kingdom of God as you give to Colton's? Do you give as much to the kingdom of God as you give to Coles? Do you give as much to the kingdom of God that you give to Lane Bryan or you give to Dillard's? Let me check your record. Let me check your giving. Do you spend hundreds of dollars to go to a ball game but won't tie? Let me check your record of giving. Do you go out of town or have a great weekend but then come to church and don't give what, what I tell you to give? Hey, let me check your giving. He says, there's going to be an accounting of it. He said, and if I find that you're not accounting, you're not dealing with my things correctly, then you may not be a steward any longer. Jesus. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. God, God owns, everything. owns everything. You, you are, just are just a steward. Stewards get fired. Stewards get fired. Stewards get fired. Doesn't mean you know. Listen, I find a whole bunch of people I loved. I loved them, but you ain't getting the job done. I gotta find somebody who's getting the job done. 
How do we know God to do that? The, the, the story of the talents, what did he say? He said when some people, and one man came, he got one number of talents, another man came, he got some more talents, and the other man came and he didn't get but one talent. He said, but the man with the one talent, what he did is he ran and he dug, dug a hole and put his talent in the ground. The Lord came back and said, why did you do that? He said, why didn't you do what the other people did? He said, well, because I knew you was gonna be a hard taskmaster. I knew you was gonna ask me for something that I didn't have. He said, you know what? Give me that talent. Give it here right now. I, 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 give me my talent. He said he took it and he gave it to the one who had the most. Why? He said because the one with the most did what I asked him to do. The only reason God asked you for 10% is so he can multiply your 90. That's the only reason he asked for your 10 so he can multiply the 90. But what you're afraid of is that he's a hard taskmaster. You're afraid he's going to ask to reap where he hadn't sown. But God said, understand, if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't even have 90 percent. You wouldn't have no percent. He then says this. He says, and he called him and he said unto him, he said, how is it that I hear this of thee? Give me an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer a steward. Come on, keep going. Verse 3. He says, then the steward said within himself, he says, oh God, what am I going to do? He's going to find out I ain't been giving. He's going to find out I ain't been doing the stuff I'm supposed to do. i just been going to church and getting word and proving my life and not giving back to the ministry so the ministry can get out of this little bitty space we're in. I've been coming to get my life changed, but I ain't worried about whether or not we keep having to meet here and people can't come and they're uncomfortable. And I don't care that there's 40 kids down there and ain't nobody volunteering for children's church. I just want to get my needs met. He said, oh, but then the steward said within himself, what am I going to do? He says, for my Lord, small L, not the Lord, his boss. He says, my boss is going to take away from me the stewardship. He said, oh, Lord, that's how, that's how I've been getting paid. As a steward... <laughs> That's how I've been getting paid. I, I, I've been lording over the Lord's resources, and as a result, he's been letting me live good. But if the Lord take away his resources, what am I going to do? The steward said, listen, I cannot beg. He says, to beg, I am what? Ashamed. I cannot be one of them people out there on the corner. With one of them signs, I ain't making fun of those people at all. I'm simply saying that can't be me. I, I can't do it. The steward said that can't be me. Now I'm used to living good. I can't go from living good to not having to bed. I would be ashamed to do that. Next verse. He says, and I'm, he says, ah, I'm resolved what to do. He said, I made up my mind. I know what I'm gonna do. He says, when I am put out of the stewardship, when I get fired. He says, they, I'm going to do something that they, who we'll talk about who they is, may receive me into their houses. Next verse. He says, so he called every one of his boss's debtors. And he said unto the first one, he says, how much do you owe my boss? Next verse. He says, and he said, I owe your boss a hundred measures of oil. He said unto him, look, take this bill. Lie on it. Right, you only owe him 50. He struck a deal. He said, look, you owe my boss 100. He's going to fire me anyway. Let's just say you owe him 50. The Bible then goes on to say this. It says, then he said to the other one, and how much do you owe my boss? And he said, 100 measures of wheat. And he said, look, look here, take this bill and write down, you owe four score. Next verse. It says, and the, and the boss commended him. Wait a minute. <laughs> 
a minute. Did I read that right or did you read it wrong? <laughs> because what that just said was, is the man went to his boss's credit, his debtors, and he said, how much do you owe? The man said, I owe your boss $100. He said, just write 50 down. It's straight. <laughs> he said, how much do you owe? He said, I owe him 100 million a week. He said, just write 60 down. Four score is cool. <laughs> he just cheated his boss out of money. Right. But the Lord, his boss came to him and said, that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty smart. Why would the boss say to him, that's pretty smart of what you did? Watch this. It says, the Lord, his boss, commended him. See, people read this and say, the Lord, oh, the Lord like you to trick people. No, that ain't big L. That little L. That's his boss. It says, his boss commended the unjust steward. And to be clear, it says, unjust steward. Because he had done what? Wisely. We call it shady. His boss called it wise. He says, for the children of this world. Ooh, focus on that. Children of what? Not the kingdom of God, but children of this are in their generation than the... Here's what he said, plain and simple. He said, I commended him for doing what he did because he at least knew how to work the system he was a part of. He at least understood that if he wasn't going to be in God's system, he better figure out how to work the world system. Can I tell you where some of y'all miss it? You trying to work them both. You trying to be over here with God, but you're doing all this crookedness. And, and crookedness don't mean illegal. Crooked means twisted. God says tithe, you don't tithe. You're trying to be over here with God doing it God's way, but you're doing actions over here. And the Bible says the double-minded man is in all of his ways. And let not that man think he's going to receive anything from the Lord. And the world is kicking your tail. So you ain't getting nothing from God and the world is wearing you out because you ain't smart enough. You ain't smart enough to be as trickery as the world is. That unjust steward was a dog. He was like, I know what I'm going to do. When I get fired, I'm going to make a deal with Rich. I'm going to make one with Valdez. I'm going to make one with Chris. I'm going to make one with Centri. I'll make a deal with Valley, with Rod, with Brad, everybody. So that when I need to hook up, I can be like, y'all, you remember, you owed 100. You owed 100, I just said 50, so I need a place to stay this week. He said at least that unjust steward knew how to work his system. You a child of God. You ought to be able to work your system better than the world can work their system. Your system works by seed, tithe, and harvest. That's how you get rich in the kingdom. Through seed, through time, and through harvesting. If you ain't sowing nothing, you ain't reaping nothing. And I don't care how many times you come to church and how many times you dap me up, how many times you shake my hand, I laugh, I grin, I smile with you, you ain't getting nothing. Not trying to do it in the kingdom way, you better either do it God's way or you better be full sold out to the world. The problem with doing it the world way, though, is you ain't going to keep that. You don't get to keep what's in the world because then you become subject to the world's economy. You try to do it the world's way. Every time they come up with something new, you got to try to figure it out. The, kingdom, the, the, the spirit of mammon controls the world. 
So you're going to always be controlled. God didn't want to control you. How do I know God didn't want to control you? Because when you get paid, he don't automatically uh, debit your account. <laughs> There's no heavenly debit card. You don't get paid and he'd be like, whoop, get my 10%. God trusts you more than the government does. He trusts you more than the government. I guarantee you ain't never got a check and FICA not took their money. I bet you ain't never got a check and you had to pay state income and the state ain't got their money. The federal government put theirs first on your list. They get, they get there and if you got child support, Chester gonna get theirs too. Why? Because they don't trust you. They don't trust you. Even Walmart, in all of their glory, with all their checkout lines, they don't trust you. Baby, if you, if you think you're getting over on them, you are not getting over on them. They got cameras on cameras on cameras. We talk about blessings on blessings on. They got cameras on cameras on cameras on cameras. They are watching you. They got four walking around act like they shopping, looking to see if you, if you secretly shopping. You know why they do that? Trust you. You know why it is when you go to the movies and you buy your ticket? You ever wonder why you got to buy your ticket and then go to another guy who has to tear your ticket? You know why they do that? They'll trust you. You ever wonder why when the movie is over, they have somebody standing there in the aisle like they're ready to clean up? They don't care about cleaning up. You know why they do that? Trust you. They don't trust you. You know why they watch you when you walk out and say, have a great day. They don't trust you. They want to make sure you get out of there. God trusts you. God says, I want you to give to me as it's your choice. I don't want to force you to do it. Because if I force you to do it, love's not attached to it. And I can only bless what is given in love. Now, what time is it? I got five minutes. Oh, come on. Ten minutes, sorry. He says, he says, and I say unto you, he says, make, now watch this. He says, because I'm sending you off for something in a couple of weeks. He says, and I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of what? Okay, remember, he's still talking to the steward. He says, I'm telling you, here's what you better do. If you're going to live according to this system out here in this world, you better make friends with mammon. You better, can I tell you what he really said? He said, if you're going to make it in the world, you better be prepared to sell your soul to the devil. When he says to make friends, this word friends here, to make yourselves friends of, is the same word that they use for intercourse. He says, you better make love with the devil and become one with him. You better be prepared to become one with the devil because it's the only way you're going to succeed in his system. If he sees you deviate from his system, he will have complete authority and power over you and he will ruin you. He said, so you got to decide you're going to serve the spirit of mammon or you're going to serve God. But you cannot serve them. Oh. Yes, he says, and I say unto you, make to yourself friends of the mammon of unrighteousness. Why? So that when you what? Yes. Not if. Yes. Not if. Yes. He said, you better be. You better make friends out there in this world because I guarantee you failure is coming. He says, when you fail. They what? He said, ain't even no guarantee in the world. <laughs> he said, you can do it the world's way and the excuse expression. The world will still screw you. 
You can do it. everything the devil tells you to do, and he still makes no promise not to give you the shaft if he has an opportunity to. He's going to do whatever he can. They may receive you into everlasting heaven. May receive you. Next verse, verse, verse 10. It says, but he, glory to God, that is faithful, and that which is least is faithful also in much. Now, notice the determining factor for how God sees you. Because God sees through time. God is not... Uh, he, he's not engrossed by time. He's not encapsulated by time. He can't be stopped by time. He says, God looks at you and God can determine how faithful you're going to be with much. Well, how faithful you are with the least. Now, wait a minute. What is the least? What is the least? Remember when we started this? He said, don't trip about what you're going to eat. Don't trip about what you're going to wear. Don't trip about how much money you're going to have. He said, those things are the least. He says, so if you can't be faithful over a $10 tithe, how am I going to make you faithful over a $2 million tithe? And the determining factor to whether or not you're going to be faithful over that big is whether or not you're faithful over that this little. In fact, he says, and he that is unjust in the least is going to be what? In the much. So when I tell you that if you get won the lottery, you and you say, oh, I give all this money, and you ain't giving nothing now, and I tell you you lying, I'm backed up by the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Now, in the culture church, we used to say, the Bible right, somebody wrong. Somebody wrong. <laughs> now, that's all we had to say. Now, now that, that's all we would say to somebody. In the culture church, we say, look, the Bible right, and somebody wrong. So if you ain't saying what the Bible say, you the one who wrong. He says, and he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in the much. And he that is unjust in this little thing called money is unjust also if he had a lot of money. Next verse. It says, if therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous. He said, if you ain't been faithful where money is concerned because you let unrighteous mammon control you. He says, then who is going to commit to your trust true riches? You talking about you want power, anointing to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover, and you can't be faithful where money's concerned? You talk about you want to be able to command the right husband, the right spouse to come, wife, to come to your kids. You want to make sure they get into the right schools. You want to make sure that nothing harms them while they're out of your presence. You want to command all of these things and have all this power, but you can't be faithful where your giving is concerned. He says you deceive yourself into thinking that somehow you have some power that you don't have. That's the reason when my kids leave the house, I don't, I don't fret no more. Come on. I pray. We, we pray. We always pray in Psalms 91 over them. I pray Psalms 91 over my wife when she left to go to Little Rock the other day. I'm praying. But you know what? Even if I forget to pray, I got seed working for me. I've demonstrated I can be faithful in the least. And when you demonstrate you can be faithful in the least, God can release to you the much. 
The question is, do you have the guts to pass the choke level test? Yes. Do you have what it takes to make a decision to come hell or high water? You're going to honor God in this regard. Yes. And that's not an indictment to you if you say, no, I love you. I don't look at the giving. I think the worst thing a pastor can do is look at the giving. Because when you look at the giving, you become in church like, mm. <laughs> Folks be like, Pastor, can you pray for me? No. <laughs> I'm praying for Tina. She a tither. <laughs> so to eliminate all that, I don't look at what nobody gives. I don't care what you give. I only teach what I teach so you can live better. I don't look at that. I don't care. All I know is what comes in. I know a total number. I know what the outgoing bills are. And I know how much because our goal is to save five to 10 percent of whatever comes in every week because we got to get out of here. Yes. 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 Yeah. So, yeah. Yes. We have a right to our own place, our own space. Angel sent me a place to look at the other day. It was a fairly decent place, but the way it was configured, it didn't have enough room for kids. But it was it was originally 4,000 feet, 4,000 square feet, but the guy only want, he needed 1,000 square feet of it for his storage. So it was 3,000 square feet, 3,000 square feet. He wanted $18, 18 to $19 a square foot. Now, you want me to multiply that for you? Or you got it. That's about six grand a month. Six grand a month. So you, we, we talk, we, we ain't talking about extravagant. Any of you ever been to our, to our Conway location? It was 9,000 square feet. It wasn't extravagant. This is Northwest Arkansas. Almost everything you find, they're gonna charge you retail price for. Yep. I don't care if it's an industrial, they're gonna charge you retail price. <laughs> Why? Because they can get retail price for it. Right. So this idea that we're gonna somehow get a five, six, seven thousand dollar building at, 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 at five to seven dollars a square foot can happen, but it's probably unrealistic. Right. So we can spend all our time believing for a low price so we can believe God for increase. I don't know about you, but I like believing God for increase. And he says, how do we do it? Because everybody gets on board and starts honoring God where they're giving his concern. It says, if therefore you have been not faithful in that unrighteous mammon, who shall commit to you the true riches? I think we got three more verses. Let's just, oh, two more. What's the next one? He says, and if you, come on now, if you have not been what? Faithful. In what? Stop. He said, if you ain't been faithful over that which belongs to somebody else, who do you think is going to give you something that's yours? You can't take care of your bedroom. How are you going to get a house? Ah, come on now. You in the house. You're praying and believing God for a house and you won't keep your apartment clean. You want God to give you a new foreign car and you won't keep the one, you won't keep the domestic when you got washed. Come on. I love you so much. Now, people don't like that, but it's true. That's real. You want God to give you your own, but you won't take care of another man's. That's the reason why when I didn't have a car, and I, if, if I didn't have a car and I, and I borrowed Brother Reynolds' car, ain't no way I'm going to bring his car back to him not on full and not washed and clean. Why? First of all, it's just good etiquette. But second of all, how am I going to use somebody's stuff and I'm not going to take care of it and then expect God to give me my own? And then be mad with some. Listen, you, you get in somebody's new car with your french fries. And you eat it in their car. And then somebody get in your car, you talk about, we don't eat it in my car. It's like, come on. How you going to, if you don't take care of what somebody else got, how you expect God to give you what you got? 
Pastor, what does all this mean? Who is the other man? Who is the other man? It says that he that has not been faithful in that which is another man's. Who is the other man? It's the Lord. It's the Lord. He says, if you ain't been faithful in that which is another man's. Somebody said, well, I've been faithful over everything. If you're not tithing, then you're not faithful over that which is another man's. The tithe belongs to God. You're not faithful over that. If you're not faithful over that, you haven't been faithful over that which belongs to another man. And I love you, but the truth is the truth. You can get mad at me, or you can just change and be like the Bible. But the truth is the truth. He says, if you haven't been faithful in that which is another man's, then who is going to give to you that which is your own? Somebody asked me one time, because sometimes we go out to eat and stuff, and um, there was a time that I used to go out to eat, and uh, I literally had enough for me and my family. That was it. There were some times in my life that that's been true. Some decisions I made that weren't the best of decisions, and it's just where it was. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm going to repent. And all repent means is turn from. It don't mean lay down in the flow and cry and get snot all over you. Listen, that's emotion. That's emotion. And it's fine. That's emotion. But when you get up, what you going to do? So when I repent, I repent by saying, Lord, I was wrong. I was tripping. That's my bad. I, I, I know how I got here. I won't do it again. Give me another chance. Please forgive me. Thank you. And that's it. You know? And so I repented to the Lord and I said, Lord, I want you to do something for me. I want you to make me the man. That when, because my desire is to be the man that if we couldn't meet this Sunday, I rent a private jet and we all just go somewhere Sunday. Since we can't meet, let's go on back. Everybody show up in Washington region. We got two, three jets. Get on one and let's go somewhere. Let's see, son. Let's see. That may not be yours. That's cool. So I said, Lord, make me the man where I am right now. Where I am right now. Help me where I am right now. Help me that if I decide to invite some friends out, that we ain't all got to be trying to divide up the check and figure out who got what appetizer, how many, who drink costs how much, how much tax was on that. I said, Lord, make me the man. Just send me the bill. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I was wondering if anybody else in this whole church was going to say, Lord, make me the man too. I was wondering. I'm glad Pastor Sean wasn't here for that one. She didn't look at y'all. I said, Lord, make me the man. Why? Now, I don't want to, I don't, it ain't about showing out. I, I, I want to be able to say, look how good God's been to me. So when I take my friends out and the bill come and it's three, four hundred dollars, Lord, I want to pay the bill. And I want to, I don't want to tip 20%. I want to tip 50%. I want the waiter to be like, yo, here come them people again. So, so, so how do you get that way? You don't get that way by trying to work for it. You can't go get another job for it. You can't sell enough something else for it. You can't do something else for it. You, because it, it don't work that way. You got to have some supernatural things happening in your life. It starts with your giving. It starts with your giving. This last one, let's finish this up. I think I saw them out there. 
It says, now no servant can do what? We've been talking about this all morning. No servant can serve what? Two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to the one and what? He says, ye cannot serve God and don't you ever say money again. This wasn't about money. This has never been about money. People who have taught this have taught this wrong. This has never been about money. It's always been about mammon, which is a spirit that attaches itself to money because the Bible says wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be. And because you love money, that's what mammon wants to attach to. That's good teaching. That's what mammon wants to do. Mammon wants to attach itself to money because you value it. Mammon can attach itself to relationships because mammon is a spirit of control. So you can get into a relationship and in that relationship, Lord can say, hey, that's not a good relationship. You need to let that relationship go. That person doesn't need to be your friend. That person doesn't need to be your boyfriend. That person doesn't need to be your girlfriend. Those groups of people who you shouldn't hang with. And if you're not careful, mammon will say they, they love you. Mammon will call up the past. Remember how they was there for you? Mammon is saying, but if you were a Christian, you wouldn't do them like that. Mammon is all about control. It just so happens that in this particular context, he's talking about money because he understood that money was important to this steward. And if you be real, money's important to you. It's important to me. It's why I go to work. It's why I get on a plane and I leave my family for a week at a time because money is important. Yeah. It's the reason when the other opportunities come, I never hesitate telling the old job, see you. Yeah. Because a new opportunity affords me more money. Right. But I have turned down jobs. And Pastor Sean, I tell you, yeah. within the last 18 months, I turned down a job. They, was, they offered me $250,000 a year, but it was going to be in Seattle. I didn't look for it. They called me. They asked if I was interested. I talked to the recruiter. I talked to the people. I interviewed for the job because I always interview for the job. I always interview for the job. Why? Because you never know who you might meet. Education is a very small fraternity. And you never know who you might meet, who you might need down the road. And my question to them was, if I take the job, can I live out there during the week and fly back on the weekend? They said, well... Sometimes there'll be weekend work. Sometimes there's going to be meetings. I said, can you guarantee I can never miss a Sunday? We can't guarantee that. Then this ain't the job for me. Because what I have agreed to is that I'll go and work anywhere during the week, but on Sunday, I'm here. I don't leave to go out of town until Sunday evening. And if I can't get a flight, I get there Monday, and they just got to either change the meeting or I'm going to be late. Because when God told me to start the church, he didn't say start the church and then go chase money. So the question becomes, where's your priority? And the same question I have to ask is the same question you have to ask. How important is money to you? And I tell people all the time, money ain't first place. But it's way ahead of what's ever second. God first. God is first. God is first. Now, where money fall, I'm not really sure, but it's whatever second money's before it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't, no. I love you it. get in where you fit in. Yes. Yes. 
And because I can be honest about that, I don't have to feel bad about going after money because I only go after money as God directs me to go after money. I'm not going after money in opposition to what God is telling me. And then no matter how much I get, no matter how much I make, 10% has been 10%, has been 10%, has been 10%. So I never miss it. I've been more disciplined this year about saving because I used to have a problem of giving too much. I really did. And sometimes you can give out of disobedience. You really can. Because I felt sorry for people. I was like, man, I feel bad because so-and-so is in this situation. And because I got money, I should help them out. And in reality, what you do sometimes is you delay people's coming out. And I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that there were people in my family who I was helping who really I was delaying them from having to depend on God because I became their God. Because if you call stricken Sean, they had you. And I had to repent for that. And I had to say, Lord, as much as I want to be the man, I only want to be the man when you tell me to be the man. And so we're going to end there. Well, I think it goes to 14, doesn't it? What does 14 say? It says, in the Pharisees, who were what? Oh, rascals. You always got some religious folk. Always. You know who the best people to preach to? Folk who don't know nothing about God. Get me the dude from the hood. I had a funny story one time. I won't say what he said all the way. It blessed my life, though. I preached a message one time. I was in Maryland. This dude had came literally off the street. Pants sagging, bandana, I mean, the whole thing. Sat in service like this the whole time. I mean, straight. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't playing. Got through preaching. Everybody was talking and stuff. Dude still sit there. Dude came up. He said, yo, pastor. I'm like, yes, sir. He said, that's the best D message I ever heard. <laughs> best compliment I ever got in my life. Best compliment I've ever received in my life. Why? Because he wasn't filtering that through no religious ease. He was just listening to the word. He's like, what does this mean for my life? He's like, I ain't got to live like this. Oh, man, that's the best thing I ever heard. And we come to church all the time and we hear all this word and we go back and we act like them jokers right there. We act like the Pharisees. Act like we see when we can't see. Act like we hear when we can't hear. Act like we got understanding when we have no understanding. How do we know? Because there's no application of what it is we say we're supposed to be doing. He said, and these Pharisees, he said they was covetous. He said they heard all these things. That Jesus had been saying, everything I'm preaching to you. And they say they did what? They what? That means they criticized, they laughed, they ridiculed and scorned him. They laughed at him. <laughs> he don't know what he's talking about. Y'all going to give, y'all going to be broke. Y'all over there giving all y'all money to that church. All that church want is your money. So all the movies won't. That's all Walmart won't. That's all Target won't. That's all the mall won't. Go get gas today and don't swipe your card. They don't even let you get gas like that no more. You know why? 
They don't trust. <laughs> I'm done. I'm finished. I'm stopped. That's it. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. They don't trust you. They don't trust you. They don't trust you. They don't even let you pump your gas till you pay. They don't trust you. 